Oracle Soup. Dishing up tasty morsels of tarot wisdom and other oracular tidbits with your hosts, Katrina Wynn and Gina Thies. Two saucy sisters broadcasting from the magnificent Oregon coast and from deep in the heart of Texas. And inviting your questions about tarot, oracles, counseling skills, reading advice, and more. Be sure to visit our website at oraclesoup.org to listen to our podcast archive. You can also visit us on Facebook and like our Oracle Soup page, where you can share your wisdom and request for Oracle Soup topics. Soup is hot now, and it's ready to be served. Welcome to our Oracle Soup listeners. This is Katrina Wynn with my sister out there in the deep, beautiful South. It is the beautiful South. Gina Thies here. Welcome everyone to our kitchen table conversation. That's right. In fact, our kitchen table conversation is with a really remarkable artist. We decided to focus on what it is to be an artist who designs a deck. And uh, Gina and I had the wonderful, beautiful privilege at the Northwest Tarot Symposium of 2016 to be able to sit around the kitchen table and have a very delicious and tasty and sophisticated, I might say, meal with the one and only Eric Dunn. Eric C. Dunn, yes, the wonderful artist who created the very popular Tarot Illuminati. And it's fascinating. I think you're really going to enjoy this conversation we had because he very much speaks from the point of view of an artist, and you can hear his background and how it influenced the way that he approaches the Tarot, as well as his own personal uh, thoughts and values about Tarot. I really appreciated that. Did you, Gina? Oh, absolutely. I was so excited that he um, had the time to come and join us at the kitchen table and really got to know him a little bit and just to just to get inside the mind of what it's like to create a deck. And you and I are both um, in that process of some sort. Um, I know, you know, as an artist who has done numerous pieces of work, um, and that was that was my job at one point. One of the many hats I've worn. <laughs> and and just to, just to, you know, think of the process. But um, he, he calls himself a tarot traditionalist or, or a purist. So you guys will get to find out what he means by that. Absolutely. All right. And do we have a card that we're exploring a little bit? A feature card, perhaps? I'm thinking, I'll tell you, I love the card that he has on the cover of his book and his box. I actually got one of the posters. It's the Queen of Swords. Ooh. And it's beautiful. And I think that it's, it's, it kind of seems like that's what his favorites, one of his favorites, too. It's hard for him to pick a favorite. I actually asked him that. Um, uh, <laughs> he and loves he, all he's the going to act, Yeah, he's going to actually, uh, I told him that when we did this, um, that he could, uh, if he could, you know, send us an image um, and, you know, give us permission to use and which one and uh, he would use and he really, had to, he couldn't, co- he couldn't commit to, because I'm like, all of them could be your favorite, you know, uh, you, you gotta love what you do or else. Or, or, well, you or know what? what? I 
thinking what we're talking about here, I'm noticing is that we're not talking about a particular card. We're talking about the queenliness and the, the high priestessness. And uh, what I particularly love now I'm focusing on, on Eric's deck is the majestic uh, attitude that the women in his deck have. I think that's part of the attraction. So, you know, when we're looking at Tarot and we're looking at the feminine side of deck as opposed to the masculine, obviously that's going to be represented through the physical image of what it is to be a woman. And as we know, just because there's a woman on the card doesn't necessarily mean it's literally about being a woman right oh absolutely i can't tell you i I just recently did a party where there were all men in attendance and so when you're looking at when the card comes up to represent you know who and what sometimes and i tell people all the time those aspects we are both we we can we contain both polarities right masculine and feminine and so you may act as queen because you may take a step down from making decisions or playing a role so it doesn't necessarily mean that it's about a feminine role of a sort it could be receptivity or nurturing and all of those aspects that typically are defined um, as a, a more receptive feminine nature but doesn't mean that it has to be female Right. Because just like you said so beautifully, we each carry these within ourselves. And so when we're looking at one of these feminine cards, just imagine, what is it saying about maybe your inner life? Mm-hmm. Maybe What is it saying about something that you feel confident or you feel self-esteem with? Or, of course, the opposite would be, where are you lacking these things? Where are you lacking insight? inner vision inner confidence uh, because it's more of an inner experience i believe with those feminine cards than the outer same thing with the high priestess yes the high priestess which is um one of my favorite cards when it it, it talks about mystery it talks about the higher knowledge it talks about you know speaking and or sometimes not speaking knowing when not to speak and just to observe which you know she often and no matter what card seems to have this to me it seems like she's observing she knows something but what it is <laughs> well, you know, is, I, I love know. the idea of her being the ultimate virgin because that virginal spirit is one unto herself. And I really get a sense of a deep inner knowing and confidence. It's like women's ways of knowing. Well, we could talk on and on about the high priestess, I'm sure. But let's just celebrate the feminine and at the same time celebrate our amazing kitchen table conversation guest. Eric Dunn. Well, somehow you found us. You have found Oracle Soup Podcast. And this is the Oracle Soup Sisters right here, Katrina and Gina Thies. And we have another episode of our kitchen table conversation. Woohoo! And boy, am I excited. This is a very colorful guest. This is an opportunity to like explore the thing that we love the most to row cards, right, Gina? Absolutely. We are very honored, really, to have this person in our kitchen at the table with us sharing a nice bowl of goodness. Mr. Eric Dunn is here with us. Welcome, welcome to Oracle Soup. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for inviting me. You know, before I met you, I have to admit there was a little bit of a gossip about you. And and the gospel is that you're kind of shy, but here you are. You are in front of the microphone, talking in the kitchen here with us. And who told you I was shy? Where did you get that? 
Oh, just some little birdie. I'm camera shy. I'm camera shy. Then you should do really well with this podcast. Yeah. No, I'm totally fine. I'm totally fine speaking my mind. In fact, you'll find that most people will tell you when it comes to speaking my mind, I'm not the least bit shy. I am a little camera shy. He looks good on camera, yeah, though. He does. He does. He looks yeah. fabulous. You know, there's something about <laughs> these shy, quiet, not always on camera type people who seem to have this rich inner world. And that kind of leads me to our conversation topic, which is that whole creative process that goes into designing or creating a tarot card. I mean, we know that there's thousands and thousands of decks in the world, and each one has its own unique eye. And um, the Illuminati Tarot, for instance, by Eric, was received so beautifully, warmly, immediately, it sort of captured the imaginations of so many people and I love the style of it because it's very similar to my own style which I, I have more of a collage style I'm not saying yours is collage necessarily but mine is yeah well the interesting thing about tarot is that there is so many different takes on any given card there for there's a different take for every human being out there on, on how they visualize the card I'm kind of a traditionalist in that respect um, I don't care for decks that are way, way, way off to the left side or way, way off to the right side. I kind of see tarot as a system um, of divination that that works, works beautifully. It's tried and true. It's not broken. Don't try and fix it. So you can embellish it. You can jack it up with color and texture and bling. Um... But you need to stay true. At least I, I feel as though I need to stay true to uh, the traditional symbolism, specifically of the Rider Waite Smith. Right. As a reader, um, it's also trying to learn a new system. You know, when the artist has something or different coming from a different background and want to change it up it's very hard even if you know the cards to work in a reading when you've got to kind of shift what you already know and so you say one you, you've said one of the things that I always say there's no need to reinvent the wheel no need at all but however expression artistic expression happens and being an artist myself it's like I understand that aspect of trying to do something different I know for me, in my own style of relating to life and tarot, I rely a great deal upon my dreams and my dreaming, my daydreaming for my inspiration. So I've noticed when I have designed cards, literally it will be an image that shows up in a dream for me, or it'll be like a dream spirit that's calling very strongly to me. Like I use the image of Kali, which is a Hindu goddess, in the tarot pink for cancer deck. And that would be probably what you might call far left. Well, no, 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 not necessarily, not necessarily. When I say far left, I'm talking about, oh, let's see, uh, squirrels playing banjos or cats dressed up like human beings in ridiculous costumes. That's my idea of far left. Decks that border on kitschy. <laughs> Seriously, even in a learning environment, say, for instance, at a conference, or nobody really... They'll do it for novelty and they want to be different, but very few people even read with those seriously. They're more collectors. You know, you and I will buy the, the weird deck because the, the art or it's unusual or just because, you know, we have a 
debt collecting hoarding problem. <laughs> All right, I hoard debts. I mean, so, but, um, or to support the person that's trying to do something in Tarot. But mm. in terms of um, yeah, people doing serious, you. <laughs> I don't feel that way. No, I don't. I, I don't feel that way at all. I do. That's okay. But I won't, I'm just I saying. I won't invest in a deck. I, I won't invest in a deck that I think um, has has no staying power, and has no longevity, and really does more of a disservice to the art of this form of divination than it does a service. I think when things are taken um, so far out of context and dumbed down. And made silly mm -hmm. and gitchy. Um, I think it does the whole. I think it does the whole medium a disservice. So I'm gonna step in for a moment and represent a whole different point of view, which is, well, what if I'm like 12 years old and somebody handed me my first deck? I mean, yeah, it could be great to get a very traditional deck, but on the other hand, I might have more fun with it. If it's going to represent something that is more playful and interesting, something I'd want to make friends with. So there might be a time for those exceptions, maybe. Well, and I would agree with you there. But that's not the individual I think in terms of when I think in terms of creating a deck. I don't think in terms of the 12-year-old, their first deck. I think in terms of the individual, the seasoned or the novice, but the serious tarot reader. I guess I have to admit, I guess I have to admit there is a place. There's a place for those decks. It just doesn't happen to be in my cabinet. What is in your cabinet? <laughs> well, I'm a, I'm a traditionalist. I, um, uh, I love a lot of different styles of decks. Uh, Medieval Scapini is by far my favorite deck of all what? time. Wow. Absolutely. Absolutely. One of the more, most gorgeous decks ever created. Well, I'll tell you, your deck, Tarot Illuminati, it's an amazing deck. And so how does it feel to be a creator of an amazing deck? And, and not only that, but when we say amazing, I love the way you described Tarot creating or imagery creating earlier. Talk about cha-chas. I don't think I've ever... It's, it, now, I don't mean this in any kind of offensive way, but it's almost like you took the basic images of something like a weight deck and then you put gorgeous theatrical costuming well, and stage from theater. That's exactly what I did. My background, my background is stage and theater and costume design. Um, so that's one of the things that I'm passionate about. I love fabric. I love folds of fabric and yards and yards and yards of fabric. And I love to drape it and swag it. Costume design was a love of mine prior to tarot. So well, I always wanted to be Edith Head, and I have a uh, yeah. degree in fashion illustration, and I was going to go into fashion design because yeah. I love fabrics, and my mother was a seamstress, and uh-huh. Yes. Goddess. <laughs> Goddess, Edith Head. Yes. Well, you know, what does it feel like coming and creating a deck, and people mm. are just overwhelmed and so receptive, and... Uh, in, in terms of your expectation, was that what you were hoping? Or are you just like, I'm going to do this for the sake of my art? Tell me a little well, bit about your process. Well, I have to tell you, I'm, I'm, um, I'm my own worst critic. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, I think most artists probably are. But I'm, I, I tend to take that to the 10th degree, I think. I really beat myself up over my work. 
I do hear what you're saying mm -hmm. an awful lot. You know, oh, Eric, it's this and it's that and it's fabulous and it's glorious. And, you know, I set aside my deck of 30 years and now I read with this exclusively and it's just divine and it's this and it's that. I got to tell you, um, somebody who didn't um, have the kind of esteem issues with their own art that I have might tend to get a real bloated ego and, and sense of self hearing the kind of comments that I hear. But for me, it's the polar opposite. It's incredibly humbling. It makes me feel as though all is right in the universe mm. in that I have given back something. I've contributed something um, to an art form that has uh, done so much for me over the years. So it's humbling. It's incredibly humbling. It, honestly, all those comments don't make me feel any more confident in the uh, fact that yeah, that I, I, and really, that, I would have. That's a whole this. nother topic. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm the gal to talk to about those things. All right. So this is something I'm very curious about. Anybody who's creating a deck, maybe someone who's listening right now, is creating a deck. And I'm imagining, like I mentioned, my inspiration often is my dreams. We each have inspirations. I know Gina does some amazing, amazing artwork that people haven't even seen yet. Um, oh, I have. So there's a, <laughs> yes, yes. So there's a, there's and a, it's brilliant. Oh my it's goodness. brilliant. Oh my goodness. It's brilliant. See, She's it's the same thing. Like I don't know what to do with that. She's about because, to unleash. Then you know exactly what I'm talking yes, about. Yes, I'm going. Oh my God! What are you to, saying? You're about to open up a. You're about to open up a door. And unleash some serious whoop ass on tarot. I'm my own worst critic too, and I will beat myself to even trying to present something, a workshop. I'm like beating myself to the last minute, and then it's like showtime. Here you go, all or nothing. Right. But to hear that about your 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 creativity, because once it's out in the world, it's no longer yours. No, it's not. No, it's not. We were doing a panel, and one of the comments that was made. And I was actually quite shocked to hear it coming from the individual it came from, was that um, when you when you set something out into the world, like like a tarot deck that you've created, um, you are really um, opening yourself up to you put yourself mm -hmm. on the line, and it's very very true. Mm -hmm. It's very true. It's mm -hmm. much more than than putting a deck out there that people are going to use and abuse and. Um, and hopefully grow from and learn from and that sort of thing. You as an individual are also on the line, you know? Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So um, uh, talk about having the, uh, and I tell this to people that's putting anything out. I mean, whether it's you're going out to just be a reader, thick-eyed. And understanding that there is a place and not everybody is there to agree with you, but you are there to stand in your truth. Where's my truth? And I am telling a story. And that's what's important for me. Um, but I'm also thinking of what do people need to know? So I'm already trying to compensate that it's going to go out and have a life of its own and people are going to take from it certain things. So hopefully um, you do it as an artist for, for you, first and foremost. But then at the end, I'm trying to think of what other people need. Does that make sense? It does make sense. It does make sense. But I would, I would take you back to the first comment because the most important thing is that you're doing it for yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's the comment I can really relate to because when I design a card, I 
don't have any angst about what other people are going to think because I'm not as much as I'm making it to inspire them I'm not making it for them and so their opinion is only useful to the extent that I can learn from it but it doesn't have anything to do with who I am (laughs) you know well in art you typically are looking at it has to move people I mean in a sense, if you're going for most artists are coming from their own art, from their own, you know, self. But if you're going into public space, it's about um, people typically invest in stuff that they're moved by. Absolutely. I mean, my mother used to tell me my mother was an art teacher. My father was a sculptor. My mother was an art teacher. So I kind of had this stuff beaten to my head from a very early age. I think I was. I think I was drawing before I could hold a fork. I was holding a crown and illustrating. On the wall, perhaps, but still illustrating, you know. Um, But Mom always used to tell me that um, it's not art unless it tells a story. And it's got to tell a story with emotion. It has to make you feel the story. And... Um, I think that might even hold true in tarot more than most other types of art because that's that's what we do. That's what tarot does um, is uses the visual to tell a story. It invites you in. A, a, a great card invites you in and it takes you on a journey. If you can't pull that off, then... Um, you, I think you're you're illustrating in the wrong line of um, art, you know. Particularly in divination, you you really have to have the ability to um, evoke that emotion, cause that emotion in people, and tell that story and pull them right down into the center of that card and make them walk through that field. Yes. You know. In fact. I must say I'm even touched by that story about your mother, and I really want to thank you for sharing that with all of us, and I'm going to guess here it's going to inspire a lot of people. Mm. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. So, and thank you, Eric, for being with us in the kitchen here. Absolutely. absolutely. We appreciate it so, so, so very much. Oh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, Anytime. <laughs> Let's do this again. All right. All right. Thank you for spending time with us on Oracle Soup. We invite your comments and podcast suggestions on our Facebook page, also called Oracle Soup. And be sure to visit our website, oraclesoup.org, for hot new servings of our saucy talks. You can also subscribe to the Feed Burner or listen to our pantry of Oracle Soup archived recordings, along with articles and links to more resources. And be sure to visit our personal websites to receive more information about us and the things that we offer individually. For Katrina, visit tarotcounseling.org. And counseling is spelled C-O-U-N-S-E-L-I-N-G dot org, like in Oregon, O-R-G. And for Gina, visit tarotadvisor.com and advisor is spelled A-D-V-I-S-O-R This content 
and the content of these podcasts are intended only to provide a summary and general overview on matters of interest. It is not intended to be comprehensive, nor does it constitute legal advice or legal opinion. This content is intended, but not promised or guaranteed, to be current, complete, or up-to-date, and should in no way be taken as an indication of future results. You should seek legal or other professional advice before acting or relying on any of the content. And thanks again for listening to Oracle Soup. Y'all come back now.